With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Haunted Road, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Listener discretion is advised. This is a strange story, one I've never told anyone publicly. I'm not even sure how it relates to this episode's haunted location, but nevertheless, it's the most memorable experience I had there, so I feel compelled to share it with you all. Back in 2018, I brought one of the producers of my show Kindred Spirits to tour a property nearby a place we were already filming. I wanted him to see it because I had investigated it before and I thought it would make an excellent investigation for the show. As we toured what was this very old, very rundown hospital, I smelled the usual old hospital smells. Someone recently asked me if old hospitals still smell like hospitals. My answer? No. They smell like mold and future lung disease. Except as I walked those halls on this particular day, something very distinctly invaded that usual haunted hospital smell. I got a very clear and very unmistakable whiff of my mom. You see, my mom had passed away just over two weeks before. I had only very recently returned to work. Also, my mom had a very distinct perfume she wore. It could only be found in one place, a little shop called Body Basics on Main Street in Placerville, California. This particular scent was called China Musk, and we relentlessly teased her for how heavily she doused herself in that scented oil. But, like I said, it was unmistakable. So here I was, roaming an old hospital in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, the scent of my mom oddly following me around, and a single tear slipping down my cheek. I don't know why my mom decided the time to say hello was as I was touring an extremely spooky hospital, but it's just one of the many strange and unpredictable experiences I've had at the Old South Pittsburgh Hospital in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. I'm Amy Bruni, and this is Haunted Road. Nestled in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, South Pittsburgh, Tennessee is a city of just 3,000 people. Today, it's the home of the National Cornbread Festival and is considered part of metropolitan Chattanooga. But in centuries past, it was a thriving town with dreams of becoming a major center of industry. An important part of the city's growth was the construction of a hospital, giving residents a place to get serious medical care without having to travel. In 1959, the South Pittsburgh Municipal Hospital opened its doors, but just 40 years later, it was closed for good. The patients moved to a larger facility nearby. Well, the living patients moved. Some of the other patients, and former hospital staff, are still there to this day, filling the hospital with shadow figures, disembodied growls, and sinister warnings to get the hell out. 
Now Old South Pittsburgh Hospital is a hot spot for paranormal activity, drawing in the paracurious for ghost tours and serious researchers for intensive overnight investigations to what many describe as one of the most haunted places in all of Tennessee. South Pittsburgh, about 30 minutes outside of Chattanooga, was originally Cherokee land, until the tribe was displaced from the area by white settlers in the 1830s. They called that unincorporated part of Marion County Battle Creek Mines because of the coal mining there. During the Civil War, Battle Creek Mines was a contested area. While there was nearby a Union base, Fort McCook, it was overtaken by the Confederates in August 1862. The battlefield where the Civil War conflict ensued was only five minutes away from where the hospital was later built. A year later, Union forces recaptured the fort and troops marched through there on the way to the Battle of Chickamauga in Georgia. South Pittsburgh was incorporated in 1876. Town founders named the city South Pittsburgh in the hopes that it would become as large a center of manufacturing as its Pennsylvania namesake. Over the years, a pencil factory and a bottling works were established there, in addition to the coal mining industry. But the city never took off as a manufacturing hub, although the Lodge Cast Iron Factory is still there, which explains that whole cornbread festival. When it was first built, Old South Pittsburgh Hospital was much smaller than the 68,000-square-foot, three-floor facility it is today. What originally opened in 1959 as the South Pittsburgh Municipal Hospital had 35 beds to treat patients, offering emergency services, operations, and a maternity ward. A point of pride to residents of South Pittsburgh was the city took no outside funding to construct the hospital, which cost $500,000, about $5 million in today's money, to build. At the dedication ceremony attended by over a thousand people, Mayor L.W. Lloyd boasted that they had not taken any state or federal funds for the hospital and said that the government should not be called in to do for you what you can do for yourself. In 1962, a new wing brought the hospital's capacity to 47 beds and another expansion in 1981 brought it to the size it is today. 107 beds in patient rooms and the ICU, as well as operating rooms, a pharmacy, x-ray facilities, biohazard rooms, and a chapel. The facility shut down for good in 1998 when a larger facility was built in a town nearby. While it's in a state of serious disrepair, the hospital is still filled with old medical equipment and in at least one instance, confidential medical records that were left behind when the hospital relocated. Many visitors to the ruins of the facility today say that it's also filled with ghosts. Hospitals see births and deaths every day, and between joy, suffering, relief, and sorrow, see huge emotional highs and lows. It's one of the reasons that decommissioned hospitals sometimes become centers of heightened paranormal activity. All of that energy leaves something behind. Old South Pittsburgh Hospital is no different. But it does have its share of unusual stories, like the unsolved murder of Carolyn Havron, the wife of prominent Dr. James Havron, who was instrumental in the push to construct the hospital. Carolyn was discovered murdered in her bed while her husband was working an overnight shift. When Dr. Havron made his usual daily call home on the morning of May 13, 1964, his eight-year-old son Dana answered the call, saying that he couldn't wake his mother to come to the phone. Carolyn was discovered in her bed with a single bullet hole in her skull. Local authorities said the killer had to have been familiar with the layout of the Havron's home to have executed the murder without waking Dana. Robbery was ruled out as a motive as Carolyn's jewelry wasn't taken. To this day, the murder remains unsolved. 
There are rumors of malpractice at the hospital, though they are not substantiated by contemporary accounts. Another legend that circulates about the hospital is that a plantation once stood on its grounds, but burned down, killing multiple people, including children. There are no historical records of that either. According to the haunted Old South Pittsburgh Hospital Paranormal Research Center, many believe the activity stems from the injuries, illnesses, and deaths that occurred while the Old South Pittsburgh Hospital serviced the community. Visitors have claimed to hear disembodied voices and babies crying and to see full-body apparitions and shadow people. But that activity didn't start after the hospital closed down. When the facility was still operational, many employees there reported strange occurrences. People would claim to see inanimate objects moving on their own and dark figures in hallways. As the Paranormal Research Center describes, it was not at all uncommon for these employees to observe various inanimate objects such as medicine carts, hospital beds, wheelchairs, and other items seemingly moving on their own. Don Parton, a lab technician at the hospital in the early 1990s who was interviewed by the Sci-Fi Channel's Paranormal Witness, claimed to have experienced vials of blood mysteriously shattering on the floor, elevators behaving abnormally, the apparition of a man who disappeared when Don turned his back, unexplained shadows, and the disembodied cries of infants in the old maternity ward. He told the show that he quit over his various paranormal experiences at the hospital. The hospital has been closed for more than 25 years and is now open exclusively for paranormal investigation, both daytime investigations and private overnight ones where a small group of researchers have the run of the hospital until dawn. People who have explored the hospital report seeing a naughty nurse who haunts the basement who likes to inappropriately touch visitors and whisper into their ears. On the third floor, people frequently report seeing a seven-foot-tall shadow figure, which is sometimes accompanied by a foul smell. Some believe it to be the spirit of a surgeon at the hospital. Notoriously unfriendly, this spirit has been said to tell visitors to F off, get the hell out, and leave. According to the haunted Old South Pittsburgh Hospital Paranormal Research Center, many spirits that seem to be intelligent have informed several of the living that this spirit does not want them associating with the living. A couple elderly women have appeared to investigators too, one who doesn't like women but who will call out to male guests, and an elderly woman named Hazel who was admitted for a psych evaluation and died of an infection. She's said to have an unforgettable scream and tells people to go back in a rough and gravelly voice, according to Paranormal Hotspots. There are also reports of a hissing man near the biohazard area and a man who died of tuberculosis calling out for help. The Ghost Research Society has reported encountering an old janitor, maybe named James, who died in the 1960s but is still roaming the hospital looking for his keys. The Travel Channel's Destination Fear claims that room 304 is the most haunted room in the hospital and is home to a psychiatric patient named Nellie. Investigators for the show took Polaroids featuring an unexplained mist in that room. On the second floor is the most heartbreaking ghost of all, the spirit of a toddler referred to as Buddy. According to the Paranormal Research Center, Buddy seems to enjoy playing or urging the living to play with him. Many individuals have stated that he requests to be held. People who have come into contact with Buddy report having objects being rolled toward them in the hopes that the people will roll the object back and play with him. Coming up next, we'll be talking to Ronnie D, the owner of Old South Pittsburgh Hospital. We'll talk all about their ghosts and the startling encounter that convinced him to buy the hospital when most people probably wouldn't have set foot in it again. That's coming up after the break. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So I am now joined by Ronnie D., who is the president and owner of Old South Pittsburgh Hospital. We've worked together on a few occasions. You've seen him on Kindred Spirits and kind of living my dream life, to be honest. (laughs) Thank you, Ronnie, for joining us. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me, Miss Bruni. (laughs) So tell me, how did you get involved with the hospital? Well, I was a paranormal investigator for many, many years. And prior to owning the hospital, I actually visited the hospital. So my group and I did some paranormal research over there quite a few years uh, prior to owning the hospital. Okay. Now, this is one of those things like I've always wanted to do. Every time I go visit a place like yours, I'm like, why can't I find an old hospital to buy (laughs) like this? (laughs) And I have to say, like, you are surrounded by just a really lovely group of people. You have a great team of volunteers, folks helping you out. And every time I go there, even though it's an old, spooky, haunted hospital, there is a very warm feeling amongst you and the crew you've kind of assembled. Do you feel like everyone around you is sort of supposed to be there in a way? Very much so. I mean, and even going back to purchasing Old South Pittsburgh Hospital, it seems that it just kind of fell in my lap. We just purchased another hospital, which was down the road, and that same thing kind of happened, where it just happens to be in the right place at the right time. And Old South Pittsburgh was, in my opinion, kind of spirit send. They were going to demolish the building, and it's got such a rich history. Just going back there as much as I did, I really fell in love with the building and think it kind of uh, spoke to me. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, I felt that there is something very spiritual about that place. So South Pittsburgh is definitely the kind of town where when you're there, everyone knows you're there. It's small. It's kind of sleepy. Everyone knows everyone. I remember when we were doing research for the hospital, we were in the local library and there had been some houses up there at some point. We were trying to figure out what happened to those houses And the librarian was kind of eavesdropping on us. And then she was like, oh, you need to talk to Nancy so-and-so. She used to live there. Let me look her up. And she pulls out a phone book. She finds Nancy's number and just picks up the phone and dials it for us. And next thing you know, we're talking to Nancy, who lived in a house that used to be on the site of where the hospital is. And so that makes the research portion of it really great. But I also imagine there's probably a lot of gossip, too, that you kind of have to go through stories and, and vet them and figure out which is actually historically accurate and what has just been kind of passed down over the years. It's kind of like the Cheers town, you know, where we walk downtown and like everybody knows your name. (laughs) It is a really quaint little town. I mean, we were received when we first purchased the building kind of harshly because the old owners were kind of spreading some things that weren't necessarily true about the grounds. And one thing that is very, very important to us, and and Amy, I do have to say that you and your team, uh, when you came out from Kindred Spirits, was kind of amazing because when you guys did your research, you came up with some of those rumors that were going around and you kind of got rid of a lot of those myths. And that's one of the things that that's a constant struggle because I think the old owners were kind of in the paranormal for the wrong reasons. They were in it to kind of scare people and to make up history and make the building more 
I guess, daunting than it really was. And uh, once we actually started uncovering the real history, I think the building, like you said, become more welcoming. It became more of a happy place because, you know, healthcare workers and the people who were involved in the hospital wanted to be recognized as being, you know, healthcare workers and helpers. And the old owners really, really brought up a bunch of, you know, like malpractice lawsuits and stuff like that that never happened. And then created a lot of history before the hospital was even built that weren't necessarily the truth. Yeah, we find that a lot. And I do think that there is this tendency of people, maybe not people who are necessarily even in the paranormal, that, you know, they buy something like that and they see it as kind of a, a business opportunity. And maybe they don't even believe in ghosts. So I can't always fault them for trying to kind of sensationalize or make up history that's going to bring in the dollars, right? But I don't think they realize the unrest that can cause in those buildings, you know, because imagine you are a spirit and suddenly you have people coming in talking about you constantly, but saying very much the wrong thing, making things up about you, some of it horrendous, and you can't speak for yourself. And then suddenly you start acting out even more. And so I guess if you have the wrong reasons, you know, that might work for you, you might get what you want, more activity. But ultimately, from like a human perspective, I think it's so important for us to get that history correct. And I really like that you guys have put so much focus on that. And it was really fun to research the hospital, to be honest. So that being said, one thing I've noticed about investigating at the hospital is that it's ever-changing. Like, I've been there a few times now, and you seem to have different entities that kind of present themselves more often at other times, or you'll have like a new entity that shows up. It's really interesting how it kind of morphs. What's happening there now? Who's your like most noticeable spirit at the moment? I would say probably the most noticeable spirit that has come kind of to fruition lately is Dr. Taylor. And I think you and I had spoke about him recently. It's quite amazing. Like in the last probably 16, 17 months, Dr. Taylor was one of the original doctors of the building. Very intelligent man. Graduated from Vanderbilt University, was the top in the medical field there. And uh, one of the, the telltale signs of Dr. Taylor was back in the old days, you could actually smoke in the hospital, whether it was a pipe or a cigarette or, or anything like that. And Dr. Taylor was known for smoking pipes uh, throughout the hospital when he was working. He also used his pipe to kind of emphasize when you were doing something wrong uh, mm. in terms of maybe not taking your medicine or you know not taking it easy after a surgery. So he'd take his pipe and kind of slam it in his hand and be like, I told you, you know, not to do this kind of thing. And we're finding that Dr. Taylor is walking through the halls and actually smoking that pipe wow. uh, when he's walking through the halls. And we've had so many paranormal groups who have come through and it's literally a cloud of smoke accompanied by a really sweet kind of maple syrupy smell. And uh, we actually had somebody come in who identified it as rabbit tobacco which is illegal now because you, it gave you kind of a little bit of a buzz, I guess. But then we also verified through a couple of people who worked with him that that was actually the tobacco that he did smoke while he was working at the hospital. So we actually have validation that we're pretty convinced that that's Dr. Taylor, you know, walking through the halls of Old South Pittsburgh. That's so interesting to me, like pipe smoke and tobacco smoke in general. We encounter that a lot. And I think we forget when we were kids, literally everyone was smoking around us. You would go to the bank and the bank teller would be smoking, you know, 
my great grandfather smoked a pipe and that smell was him like it was such a part of him and even perfumes too become such an identifying mark to a person that I can see why it would kind of become their signature in the afterlife, even if they don't intend it to be, like it's just with them. And it's crazy how it triggers memories too. It's so interesting that people recognize it and knew exactly what it was. And it is also wild to think back on a time when your doctor was just walking through the hospital smoking his apparently wacky tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Could you imagine seeing your doctor who's treating you for cancer, you know, light up a cigarette and start smoking in front of you? It is kind of different times. But yeah, I mean, that is really his signature and his identifier. And we've had not only public investigations, but private investigations at the hospital where the, the smoke is so dense that I've been asked where we're piping in the smoke from. And I actually had one guest who actually asked me to take my clothes off because he thought it was coming from me. I had it hidden under my clothes. I was like, sure, we can go to the bathroom. I'll, you know, I'll show you that. It's not me. It's completely 100% coming from the building. And we convinced him pretty well because as we were walking through the hospital, it happened in a completely different area of the hospital. And he was like, oh, that would be impossible for you to pipe it in here. So it's one of the phenomena that's actually going on in the hospital that puzzles me to this very day because it is such a strong smell and it is such a thick amount of smoke that it's just really unreal. I mean, that's you have to experience it. I love that you were willing to submit to a strip search to prove that it wasn't you. You were like, okay, skeptic, I got you. <laughs> Well, and you know, and, and I get it from the outside looking in because it, it is such a, a dominating smell mm -hmm. and the amount of smoke that comes out. I would have been very skeptical too if it, it was, you know, me walking into the building and seeing that happen. So we want to make sure that at Old, Old South Pittsburgh that we don't have people who think we're doing things like that because as a paranormal investigator, you know, our reputation means everything. Yeah, I say that to people all the time. I'm like, whether or not you believe in ghosts, the least we can do for people who, who come at us is get our history right, you know. And so I think we owe that to the ghosts, too. And there are many at Old South Pittsburgh Hospital. And so when we came there for Kindred, there were some people that were having some more aggressive encounters. Has that kind of tapered down a bit? Or you, do you still have any spirits there that seem a little angry? No, I would say I think getting the history right and, and actually doing the research and studying the people that are in the hospital currently, I think now that we're telling the truth, it's the atmosphere has become a lot more light and airy. We're getting a lot of more laughing and chuckling and, and that kind of interaction with the spirits. Even Jim, who was on the first floor, who was the caretaker prior to me owning the building, even he's kind of come out and come a lot lighter of a person since we once again got rid of a lot of the myths and rumors about him. I feel like you had a really compelling first experience there. I believe it was with a nurse. Am I remembering this correctly? One of the reasons that I actually fell in love with the building is Old South Pittsburgh gave me my first full body apparition, kind of the holy grail of you know paranormal investigating. We were on the third floor. We were uh, leaning up against the wall across from the nursery, um, which in 1986 was the last year the babies were born at Old South Pittsburgh. But it was a buddy of mine and I, and he was relatively new into the paranormal researching. And kind of out of the corner of our eye, we both seen kind of a glow. And all of a sudden, kind of walking down the hall towards us was a nurse. I mean, and Amy, it was as plain as day. You could see the curls in her hair and everything. And uh, she kind of stopped, looked at us, kind of gave us like a, what the heck are you doing in my department kind of look, and then proceeded to go into the nursery. The door actually opened in the middle of the night. And she kind of disappeared to the nursery. And that was my first experience with a full body apparition. 
And the thing that I think was the freakiest about it was, is that my partner, we all know that when you investigate that you should be in pairs and my partner took off. I mean, just <laughs> leaving me at, at old South Pittsburgh on the third floor in the dark, kind of took off to the break room. And one of the things I think that was really kind of unique about our team is that we didn't really share what we saw until right. after the fact. And we went downstairs and he kind of drew his little picture of the nurse and I drew my stick figure of the nurse and we kind of switched papers. And yeah, he was like, that's what I saw. I saw a nurse and we talked about the actual details of the nurse and it was an amazing experience. And I think it was not only residual, but I think there was an intelligent factor in there as well, too, because she literally stopped and made eye contact with me as if to say, get off my floor, you know, visiting hours are over, and then proceeded to go into the nursery. So it was quite a unique experience for me. I love stories like that. And then I also wonder, like, what if like the whole time fold theory is true? Like some people feel like, for example, the princess at the Mount Washington Hotel, they feel like she's existing in her time and then sometimes somehow kind of pops through to our time and seems a little confused about it. So I wonder if somewhere like in the 70s or 80s, this nurse is walking down the hall and sees two random guys wearing their, you know, paranormal team t-shirts <laughs> outside the nursery. And she's like, who are these people? <laughs> well, yeah. And you, you kind of wonder if she's like on edge because, oh, are they going to steal a baby or, you know, are they up to no good? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but she stopped and gave us that look like, you know, it's time for you to get off my floor. And well, my buddy, Zach, he got off that floor in a hurry. It was kind of funny to, to hear his footsteps and him running away from me. And uh, since then, Zach has not investigated anymore. He looked at me and said, I saw all I need to see. I believe now and I'm done. It proves too, like not everyone is cut out for this. There are the Ronnies and there are the Zachs. Either you're just completely enamored with it after you have an experience like that, or you run away and never return. <laughs> so, which are both very fair uh, responses, I would say, but I hope you never let him live that down. <laughs> we don't. We kind of bring that up every once in a while. Because he was kind of found in the break room. Uh, he was actually on the chair kind of rocking back and forth. And I still to this very day don't think he believes what he saw was real. Well, that brings me to that floor. When I was investigating there, I did see a very clear shadow figure on that floor in that very area. I think Adam and I had kind of separated. He was down by the nursery. I was down at the other end of the third floor. And we were just kind of sitting and watching. And I distinctly saw a shadow figure. And they do this a lot. This kind of peeking out of the doorway, like I don't know if they're just like trying to see who we are and they're not comfortable and they don't want to come out all the way. But I saw this shadow multiple times peek out the doorway and we actually did get it on our DVR as it was happening. Now, is that something that you're seeing fairly regularly in that area still? Yeah, that's something that's very, very regular in that area. And kind of the reason why is after the nursery had closed down, they had turned that whole wing into a psych ward and a drug and alcohol treatment facility. And the nursery, as well as the labor and delivery rooms, actually became like crafting rooms and work-related rooms to try and get some of those people back into society. Ah, uh, okay. Like you said, I think that area still has got a lot of residual and intelligent drug abusers because there were quite a few drug abuse deaths up there, as well as there were a couple of suicides up there as well, too, from the psych ward. We actually had a gentleman who actually jumped out of one of the windows. And you kind of almost wonder if some of that interaction or activity is people looking for the nurses kind of peeking out going, you know, where are they? It's time to do some drugs, you know, that kind of a thing. That makes more sense now because, yeah, it just seemed very suspicious and just really checking out the situation. 
Isn't that also, though, where sometimes the spirits of children are seen? Because I feel like I remember there being a ball up there or something, but I could have the wrong area. Children seem to be all over Haunted Old South Pittsburgh, pretty much on every floor and every opportunity. But now the third floor is home for Nelly. She had dementia. She's really the main spirit that's up on the third floor. Children do travel from floor to floor. Buddy especially likes to follow you know, people around, especially young ladies, likes to play with them in terms of you know balls and that kind of stuff. So there's plenty, plenty of children running around the hospital. And now, have you had any investigators come in just kind of recreationally who kind of did the same thing, had any experiences that left them kind of floored? It's kind of funny that you bring that up because we have this discussion quite frequently between myself and my staff. And we do public investigations generally once a month. And the thing that always cracks us up is it's always the men who are 280 pounds, 6'5", you know, these big monster men that walk in with their little 100-pound petite wives and they don't believe in spirits, they don't believe in ghosts, and they're the first one to go sit in the car during the public investigation because they were either touched or grabbed or they got their hair pulled or something unique like that happens. And I would honestly say, Amy, that probably happens maybe every third investigation At Strange Escapes, we call those the reluctant spouses or the drag-alongs. But usually by the end of it, if they have not gone running, they're totally into it. It's one or the other. We either turn them to the dark side or they're one and done. What are you guys doing uh, in the hospital now? Are you doing any more like renovations or cleanup? The first time I went there, it looked very different than the second time I went there. You guys have done a massive amount of work. So are there any projects you're working on right now? Currently, just right now, this is summer months. It's like a million degrees in Tennessee. So what we generally do is our work is usually done in spring and fall when it's a little cooler. So right now, we're pretty much maintaining the building just to keep it clean and and ready for paranormal investigating. I know that we have a bunch of projects slated for this winter. One of our goals is to get one of the operating rooms kind of time current and get some equipment in there and make it look like an old operating room. We want to open up the basement again. The basement's got some issues in it that we need to take care of. But those are kind of the two big projects we have slated for the upcoming year. Do you have a favorite time of year to investigate? Is there ever any time that seems more active than other times? To me, I think, and this is just kind of my theory, I think the winter months are way more active than the summer months. And I think the air, in my opinion, is a lot drier. So I think it's easier for spirits to actually manifest because they can kind of pull that energy out of the atmosphere a lot easier than they can when it's 78% or 90% humidity. Old South Pittsburgh seems to be pretty active all year round, but I think the winter months is really, really when it's just activity is just crazy, crazy active. I mean, that building to me, it never stops. Having been in there a few times, like you can just sit on any of the floors and just quietly listen. And you will either see shadow figures and see movement, or you will hear footsteps in the distance. You will hear voices. It's so active and never-ending. And I think that there's probably so many more spirits that have yet to be identified and stories to tell. And do you think that maybe you're investigating or that activity in general, the fact that spirits seem to be so recognized there, do you think that brings in other spirits from the area? You know, one of the things that South Pittsburgh was is it was not only a hospital, but it was a meeting place for pretty much all of Marion County. They used the cafeteria, not only for the hospital itself, but a lot of the residents would come and spend the afternoon there and kind of talk and commiserate in the cafeteria. So yeah, so I think one of the things that, you know, in the afterlife, I think if there's spirits around and they're kind of having a good time that they reach out to the other spirits and we get 
some of that activity back from the people who were there prior to to living when they were using the cafeteria as kind of a meeting place. It is unique because we are coming up with so many different names of spirits that we haven't had a year ago. So I think that we are, you know, we get teams who come in who have interactions with us spirits that we've never heard of for an hour here, or half hour there. And uh, I think they're really wanting to tell their story. I love that about the hospital. And I love the way you all treat it. Like I said, I kind of want to crash your investigative party on a regular basis. <laughs> I just want, just want to come hang out. I will tell you, Amy, you're always welcome. You have my <laughs> phone number. You're more than welcome to stop by anytime you're in Tennessee. It's been really lovely to chat with you again. And hopefully I will see you in the very near future. I appreciate you taking the time. Sure. Thank you, Amy. I often get asked how I feel when someone takes an old building like the South Pittsburgh Hospital and attempts to make it a business based on its haunted happenings. Clearly, Ronnie's hope is to eventually make this a museum and nonprofit, but in the meantime, what's keeping that hospital standing is people like me and maybe you traveling from far and wide to explore its corridors for ghosts. The reality is, whether you believe in ghosts or not, sometimes the ghosts are what keeps a place around. A place like Old South Pittsburgh Hospital, caught in a space of not quite being old enough to be super historic, but historic nonetheless. And in an area where there probably isn't much future for that building other than what capacity it operates in now. So I say, as long as the spirits are being treated with the respect and integrity they deserve, and paranormal investigators and researchers are getting the opportunity to do what they love, and hopefully helping some wayward spirits in the process, then go right ahead. I also often wonder, when will my haunted hospital come along? I'm always in the market. I'm Amy Bruni, and this was Haunted Road. Haunted Road is a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. The podcast is written and hosted by Amy Bruni. Executive producers include Aaron Mankey, Alex Williams, and Matt Frederick. The show is produced by Rima Ilkayali and Trevor Young. Research by Taylor Hagerdorn, Amy Bruni, and Robin Miniter. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.